Jonathan, you and I played the Big Book of Madness. Yes. Tell me more. It was big. <laughs> and there it was, was a book in there. It was mad. Uh, this is a game that was on my list that I wanted to try, but I had kind of fallen off on it a little bit after watching just a little bit of Rado's review or video of it and was worried that it was just a, oh, let's just complete sets of these colors and match them. And it just kind of looked a little bit basic. After trying it, I can say I was wrong. It's there's there's a lot of depth there. It's deceptively simple. That's how I describe it. The more you play it, the more interactions that you'll see. I really like the way that you really have to work with your other the other students in this game to you know get the colors of mana that you need. You also have these different spells that you can upgrade your base spells. You know different ones come out each game, so there's some variability there. It's a beautiful game. It looks simple. It's easy to get into and get started, but there's some depth there. Absolutely. Like we talked about in our last podcast, Yellow, beautiful art. But in terms of cooperatives, I felt like I, you really have to collaborate. It's not, here's what I'm going to do, and I'm, you know, you, then you do this. And I guess you could still have some of that, but I didn't feel like that alpha gamer thing ever came in. It was much more of a, oh gosh, we got this, which one are we going to, you know, we can't get rid of all these curses. Which ones do we want to make sure we don't trigger? Because again, that's part of the game. You don't have to take care of every curse that pops on the board. You just have to get through the book. Yeah. And the guy who was demoing it for us, was he was excellent. Oh yeah. He did a great job. He really tried to drive that point home. You know, you, you're not going to be able to clear every curse if you try, you're not even going to be able to defeat every monster. You're going to have to look at the board and see which one of these penalties can we take. Where can we take a little bit of pain right now and then in the long run have a chance to build up and be ready to finish this thing out? I think our biggest mistake in that game is that we weren't setting ourselves up and preparing for the last round well enough. We were we, we did a really good job, I felt like, of clearing the board of a lot of those curses, but we, it took so many of our resources to do that. By the time we get to the, got to the last chapter, we were kind of hurt and we didn't really have a lot prepared to deal with those challenges. Yeah. And this is a game that we played at the demo table. I would say we played probably at least half of a game of it there. And then we went and, and found it later on and checked it out from the library and played probably about 90% of the game. We kind of ran out of time. We had another appointment. But we, we got to the last round and we got a good feel for it. And I, I felt like we were doing really well in that second game. But like you said, we had kind of... We were we may have petered out there then. I'm not sure we would have been able to win. Yeah. I'm really surprised that this game isn't getting more attention, honestly. I think it's really going to fly under the radar to a certain extent. But this is deceptively deep. Yeah. I'm interested to try it because I didn't play it with you guys. And I still, I look at the game, I'm like, the game looks beautiful. It's a cooperative game. Eh, you know, is, what does it add to it? So I'm excited because I'm, I'm sure, I'm hoping one of you two are going to to get it and I'll, I'll be able to give it a try because I love cooperative games but I speaking as someone that's on the outside looking in it's one of those ones that I'm looking at and saying okay it's another co-op what what else does it add you know it's a co-op with a cool theme you know what else does it add so I'm excited to give it a try it's the type of cooperation you're having to do you're having to pretty much use your turn in some in some cases to set up your fellow players 
to have this amazing turn where they just kind of wipe out all these curses. But they wouldn't have been able to do that if you hadn't thrown down enough support cards to allow them to accomplish that. So I really love that working. We were so many turns where we kind of stopped and were like, okay, what are we going to do here? Well, do you have this card? No, I don't have that. Okay, well, here's what I'll do. I'll put this card here and we'll do that. Oh, no, but then I won't be able to do this. So it was a lot of negotiation trying to figure out how are we going to get around these curses? How do we want to approach it? Can we take the hit if we don't clear everything out and kind of go forward? So, But it's, it's a really great feeling of wiping, clearing the board of all those curses, and then you get to kind of pretty much use the rest of the time before you flip the page just to set things up. Because mm-hmm. you can look ahead. The next page will flip over. You get to see what type of elements are going to be associated with that particular monster coming out of the book. So you can kind of spend that time setting up your support pools to be able to deal with those challenges. Mm. But as you go further along, more and more curses come out, and it gets pretty rough. Yeah. And there was an interesting twist in this game that really kind of set it apart. It is a deck builder, but the interesting thing is, you know, you you may want to thin out your deck and get rid of some of those starting cards, but every time you have to shuffle your deck, you have to add a madness card to your deck. And if you ever run run out of that Madness deck, if you use all those cards up, you lose. If you ever have a hand where it's all Madness cards, you lose. So it's it's you're kind of having to balance, you know, how far do I want to improve my deck? How far do I want to tweak my deck? How, how many cards do I want to draw if I can draw some extra cards using a, a spell this time? You know, am I helping myself or am I hurting myself? It, there's a real balancing act in that game that I really like. It was fascinating. Now, towards the end of the of the evening on Friday, we got to play a game that was almost on your list, and at the last second you took it off. It was Automania. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing a lot of good buzz on it. Uh, last year I got to play Kanban, and it was from Vital Lacerda and Stronghold Games. Really got to play it. It was a good experience, but it was, it was a brain burner. It definitely cooked my brain, and I saw Automania, and I saw... Kanban light, really streamlined. And, you know, I was, I was helping a friend out um, at a booth and Jonathan sent me a text and said, look what I found. And boom, we got to play it. The rules were really quick to pick up. I felt like the game went by really well. It was very smooth. There were interesting decisions, but the rules didn't really get in the way. Uh, After we taught for the first round, I mean, besides one thing about like some objective cards, the game felt like it it went really smooth. It was one that I kind of told you guys I really enjoyed. wasn't on my top games that I played at the con, but it definitely wasn't at the bottom. It was just a really enjoyable experience. I thought it was good, like you said. It wasn't it wasn't a world beater, but it definitely was good. And I think you made an insightful comment after you th- got through playing it. You know, if you were just getting the games, this would be one of the first games that you would buy, kind of a starter. It'd be a good game for a starter collection. And I, I agree with that. I think it's simple enough, it's streamlined enough, but there is quite a few interesting decisions that you got to make. And the art's a little bit hard on the eyes. It's not the most attractive thing. But if you can get past that kind of primary color preschool look. It's like Kanban Jr. and they took that to the extreme. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. But I did have to say, I did feel like I was making cars. And like I, I felt like I was pushing cars like through the, the assembly lines. Maybe some people didn't like that. That's one of the things I did enjoy the conveyor belts that whenever you're wanting to make this particular car, it goes down this path and it will 
pass through these symbols and it gets those attributes whenever it goes through your assembly line. So I like the conveyor belt elements. I don't know if I felt like I was making cars, though. I, I guess in my thing of Kanban, like in Kanban, it is... It has the conveyor belt, but that's like a little part of the entire thing. Like there are like five other things you have to do. You have to like go to a separate spot and buy cars. For me, I think Tom Vassell mentioned it. I loved how I could make a car on the first turn. There wasn't like a build up. Like I felt like it was cool. Like my car started getting 10 stars easy after a little while. And I did like the mini cars and I was loving the mini cars. Like I was, I had the corner on the mini cars and I felt like it was cool. And I mean, the cool thing is, is like they have special powers on the other side. We played the plain vanilla. Everybody was the same. This is a game that if it was at the right price, somebody was selling it. Like if it was at the, if it was at the flea market next year, I would swoop in and give this one a try. But again, it's not one that I'm, I'm swooping in to buy right away. But like I said, I, I feel like it was a, it was a good game. It was a seven probably in my book. But it was not a great game. I'm kind of surprised at that. I thought you would actually kind of view it a little bit higher than that. Uh, seven is a is a great game. It's above average. Yes. I wouldn't say a Seven is a, is a great game. Good. It's a good game. It's a good game. We did play some great games. We did. Uh, and so the potential is not there. Like, I can see the potential in Trakirian. I can see Automania as just a, a fun game, a 90-minute game. It's not too it's not too much, it's not too little. It's it'd be a fun experience. I would get this game. I'd buy sevens, but I'm not rushing out to buy a seven. Oh, that's fair enough. So I've got too many games, I don't Yeah, exactly. I think you might be passing me though. Oh, that could really be the truth. I'm not proud of that though. <laughs> uh I I'm in recovery at this point, I yeah, feel. Exactly. Alrighty. So we also ended the night after we played that, we got to play a game, your first game of Above and Below. Yes. So we've talked about Above and Below. I want to get your thoughts on this, Clint. Above and Below, this was probably one of my favorite experiences. This is easily one of my favorite experiences of the convention. And it was a game that was not on my list at all. Like, I, it wasn't even on my top 10 games that I wanted to play. I wanted to play it. I love Red Lockett. He is just, he's a good guy. Uh, I've met him a couple times. Uh, I love his game. I love his art. But we got to play it, and it was just we had we were having a long night. It was a long night. It was the last night game we played. It was just chill. Uh, we just kind of kicked back and relax. You know, there were the I love the story components of Above Below. Was just like a little dash of salt. You know, we were playing a, a Euro game, but then we had these little adventures that were like a little dash of salt, and it was just it spiced it up just enough. And by the end of it, I was just like that was effortless like all these other games like we really had to try and work and we had to scuffle through the the rules this one was just it just was smooth i love it i thought it was good i think it's one of his better designs i think in my mind city of iron the ancient world and above and below are my top three of the ryan locker games so it was a great it was good but having i think playing with you guys and just the just playing with you guys really made it great um in that in that respect Clint, I don't, I don't want to disagree with anything you've said here, but who won this game? I won. You guys let me win. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Who won Automania? I won. Uh, who won our very flawed game of Trickerian? We tied. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. We tied. Yeah. <laughs> I think you kind of wiped the floor with us over this convention. Uh, who won Treasure Hunter? 
I did. Wait a minute. I'm starting to see a pattern here. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you, you know what? You bring up an interesting point with Above and Below. You even made a comment about even kind of how I can get kind of intense whenever I play games, especially when it's a lot of strategy, you're scoring points. And I, you made a comment, and I, I completely agree with you that I was not nearly as intense whenever I was I play Above and Below. So as we were playing Automania, you know, you score points, you're moving along the track, you have a visual feedback of, oh, this is how many points I have, oh, I'm losing now. But within Above and Below, you can kind of, you know, you get a feel of, oh, I'm, I'm getting points or I'm not, but you don't really count up your score until the very end of the game. So you kind of got your own strategy that you have built in your head, I'm going to go for this. Towards the end of the game, you're kind of rushing to get those those uh, star buildings, which are up at the top, which are very expensive, but can get you a lot of points if you focus on certain things. I just like that. I don't feel like I'm as much of a, there's not as much pressure to, oh, I have to, I have to win this game. Mm. I'm just in it for the experience. I'm going through it. I'm enjoying the stories. You said I, I got some really rotten die rolls, mm-hmm. but I, I took them in, in stride because you know what? It's going to happen. But I think if I was playing another game, it had a lot more of that if I have a rotten die roll, well, you're not going to be able to produce any cars this round. Automated doesn't have dice or anything like that. But I think that might be part of it, is not knowing what score I have as I'm playing the game might make a difference for me. It's really interesting. It's an epiphany here. So yeah, we'll see. that was good. Welcome to Board Game Therapy. This is your host. <laughs> but I, I really do. I, I loved it. That game, you guys made that game good. You guys were very good. Like, I was new playing it. You guys were good in like saying, you know, kind of, you didn't like tell me what to do, but you said, hey, you know, you want to maybe hold on to those till later. And you let me make the decision. Like I made the decision and I felt like you guys were extremely accommodating with that. And I think my experience was better that you guys didn't let me win the game, but it was a, it was good because you went the extra mile to make my game better. And I appreciate that. And I hope that you, I, I thank you for that. Absolutely. So. But no, really, remember, you're Clint the Accommodating. I, I am. I am Clint the No, no, after you. Please. <laughs> so, okay, when we've all played, you've played multiple games of, and you've only got one on your belt, but you had a very positive experience. Mm-hmm. If we were to kind of give our overall review of this, and we'll do it, we have three different categories here. Okay, you've got punch it that you're gonna, you would buy it and you would play it and you would love it. You've got play it, which means yeah, I don't think I need to own it, but I I play it. It's it's a good game, but I don't feel like I need to own this game. But I, I'd play it if it came up or pass on it. Which of those do you think you'd fall in? Would you punch it, play it, or pass on it? Is it just me? Jonathan? No, no, no. I, for, for me, it's absolutely a punch it. I mean, I, I'm the one that bought the game. Yeah. But I went into it kind of blind. I think I had checked some of my expectations. I enjoy it quite a bit. My wife enjoyed it. It's a really great, fun experience. So absolutely, I like what the game is. It's not as much pressure. You have different options. It's it's a, it's a delightful little little experience. Mm-hmm. I would punch it also. But it's a this game and the whole convention was about expectations for me. And I feel like this is one where I really did have too high of expectations. I love this game, but I also get frustrated by this game because I feel like I'm still trying to be too competitive with it. And I got a little bit frustrated the last time we played it. Even though it was a very smooth, enjoyable experience, I got a little frustrated with how I felt like I had a strong lead and I let it kind of slip away somewhere. I think I actually came in last which kind of really surprised me the last time we played it. But I still want this game. 
don't be surprised if I if I don't have it in the next couple of months. Interesting. Interesting. And the thing is, is though, is that when you, you have a rough time, you can't really tell. Like Jonathan has like a certain way. Like sometimes like Jonathan would have the thing like, <laughs> I want to flip the table. And he says it like, we'll you know, get there. he gets in a really calm, we'll like, get there. I'm totally going to flip the table. And I'm just like, he says it in such a calm voice. You're just like, is that? You're a- joking, right? And you see the fire in his eyes. Oh, okay. Oh, back on. off. Back <laughs> off. Step away. For me, it's hard. I don't know. I really like the game. I want to play it again because in my mind, I think that it worked so well with the three of us. I really want to try it again. My one knock against the game is that I felt like I had a path and it was a very skinny path. I didn't get, I don't get a lot of movement thing. Like after a little while, like I took like this fruit and I was like, if I'm going to win this game, I'm taking that fruit to the end. I didn't feel like I had, I felt like I had to do that. I, to even be good. I, I did, the game showed me exploration, but the exploration I explored to find stuff, you know? Sure. And so for me, and I, I've been noticing this, I appreciate this in games when I feel like I have a lot more latitude to change a strategy mid thing. I feel like this one is, it's not a bad thing, but it felt like I was, I was on the rails most of the game. And that's one of the things we've talked about. It does feel a little tight in some places. Yeah. And Ryan Lockett's games typically are tight. When we try to balance a board game, we want to have a lot of control. I think loosening that up, I use Caverna as a thing. The reason why I think Caverna's head over heels better than Agricola is that they take the clamps off of you, like, oh, you're going to starve. And they let you kind of do what you want to do. You can change strategies. I love to adapt. I didn't feel like I had the chance to adapt there. But I had a... Gr- the, their journey was really good, but I felt like my journey, I had a, I had a destined journey um, after about the second round. That's fair enough. And again, you've only had one game of this under your belt. So maybe it's a little unfair asking you to give your review at this point. But so you're kind of in the definitely in the play it category, maybe moving up to punch it. Exactly. Okay. Again, right price. I would buy I would buy this game just on Ryan Lockett's name. And this is a good thing. But it had to be at the right price for me. You know? Okay. So. Well, maybe another game would change your mind because I, I think it's grown on Jonathan quite a bit more. He was, I think, he was let down based off of some unrealistic expectations. But I think it's definitely grown on you. I want it. <laughs> that is glowing praise. Glowing. I tried to convince him. I took him up to Ryan's booth. And I was like, hey, you know, I backed the Kickstarter. My friend Jonathan here, he didn't. Uh, so you got some Kickstarter copies back there with all the goodies inside. Are you planning to release those uh, outside of that? Heartbreakingly, probably not. If he, Maybe he'll put it out with another Kickstarter. Another Kickstarter. Yeah. So. yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I couldn't, I was on a very limited budget. I only bought a couple games and... Two of those games I bought for four dollars total. So sure, I, I was I just I just couldn't do it there, but I do eventually when I own this game. Well, there's some expansion things like story wise. He hasn't, hasn't even put them out yet. Mm-hmm. Like there's some PDF documents which have some new elements. And I think that if you eventually, that's the one thing that kind of bugs me about this, is I feel like if you didn't back it, there is some gameplay that's being stripped out of that. Yes, and, and I, I I'm that. not a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. So while I'm fortunate I went ahead and backed it at the extended edition level, it just kind of kills me that other players won't be able to more easily get 
those extra new narrative experiences because it's more than just new stories that come out there's some gameplay things that change with it as well mm-hmm. so kind of disappointing but yeah that's the nature of kickstarter sometimes yeah mm-hmm. all righty the big game for you clint was you got to play the gallerist mm-hmm. twice twice rub it in yeah and we got to play it a zero. Zero times. You guys were out having having your fun. And I wanted thing. to play the Gallerist. That's the thing. I wanted to play it. The problem with that game is that it was a three-hour game, and we had like a couple opportunities presented itself, and we just couldn't we couldn't match up. You won't have to worry about playing it. I promise you, you'll get an opportunity to play it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Probably because when I this was this was high up on my list. Fatal Lacerda is one of these designers that's, you know, he's in the upper echelon of designers. A lot of people praise his games for being great games. He's done games like Vinos, CO2, Kanban, and he came out with a game called The Gallerist, and Eagle Griffin put it out, and I got to play the game, and you're playing as a gallerist, a, a person that owns a gallery, you're, you're buying art, you're developing these artists, you're discovering artists, you're, you know, you're promoting them, you're going overseas and schmoozing with diplomats and other international people, and you're trying to just increase the fame of your people and just get money. And I just, there were some times I got to play with four players, first time playing the, the roles, and there were times the game played in about three hours. So it was a long game. But I, you know how they always say, it didn't feel like three hours. And there were some times when I was in the game and I felt like a gallerist. And a lot of people hate that because, like, you're you're carrying these, like, pink, you know, you you have these little meeples and you're moving them around and you're, you're doing these different things. But his, the mechanisms that he kind of moves around in the game and the thematic connections were such. And people had said that that's, you know, that fits, that a lot of his stuff just makes sense. And it did for the most part. And I I just, I loved it. I love, love, loved it. I played it a second time and it was a little bit more rough than the first time. Uh, one person, I either say either ride the bus or you ride under the bus and one person kind of got run over. Like mm. the rules just, it just, they didn't quite pick it up right away. And then they kind of got to the point where they were, I'm done. I'm just done. I don't want to play. And I mean, we played it for two you know, two hours and 30 minutes. And it was just like, wow, we've all invested two hours and 30 minutes. And this person just kind of wants to walk away. And that was kind of a bummer. But for the most part, though, the game was, um, was amazing. I think it thematically connected what you were doing. And I'm all on board with this. And the one of the doffs of the cap I want to give is to Eagle Griffin Games. I was very impressed with them. They were some of the big winners for me in that the production value of this game, it is a beautiful game. It is gorgeous. It draws you to the game. It's beautiful. I really think that they do. They make games, like beautiful games. Expensive, big, but beautiful games. But I really loved it. I really I really loved it. That was the one game that I played, and I was, I walked out, and I was like, I was just getting online and pre-ordering it because I just knew that that was a game that I'll probably play once a year, hopefully, but that once a year I think would be worth it for me. So I do look forward to trying it. And Clint, that just leaves me with the question, you know, exactly what does being a gallerist feel like? I, I, I felt like there was this thing of like, you know, being a gallerist, you have to, it's like a popular, like you have to be like a popular, it's like you got to be famous. 
but you have to do different things. Like you have to like jump in on other people's actions. And if you do that, you're kind of a follower and you lose that reputation. If you focus on the international market, some of your people that are like with you at home, they'll like, they'll leave. You know, if somebody buys one, if you sell one of your artworks, like people like that are in your gallery will go home to take it home. Like everything just makes, it makes sense. Some people, you know, say you roll a die for, to simulate, you know, fighting a raptor and you're just like, okay, you know, but this game, it was intuitive. And while there are a lot of parts moving together, I felt like it had a very, it was smooth. And I, like I said, I just felt like I got these beautiful pieces of art in my, in my gallery. And I was like, yeah, I'm rocking this. Like I got this, but do I want to sell it? I'm getting kind of broke. Do I want to sell this art? But I get a bonus if I like, if I show off these three arts and, and you discover artists, it, it really does. It really does. Like I were, we're already a little removed from BGG con. I keep coming back to that game. Like I look back and say, wow, I can't wait for this game to come. I really want to play this game again. Excellent. So I'm glad you're buying it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> same thing with the big book of madness. So I'm excited. <laughs> Mine's a lot cheaper than yours. <laughs> I know people. Yeah, the Big Book of Madness, it's, it's MSRP for 40 bucks, or they were saying? Yeah. No yeah. way. Yeah. It's reasonable. Yeah. 40 bucks? 40 bucks MSRP. I, Sold. I may, I'm excited to play that. That might go on my list. 40 yeah. bucks. <laughs> it's all about price for Clint. It is. <laughs> I, I, I do think of that sometimes. All right. So on Saturday, I got to play a game that I was, was on my list. It was Watson and Holmes. This was probably my biggest disappointment. It really was. And I can't quite put my finger on what happened. Expectation. I think it was also because Clint won again. Oh, <laughs> again? <laughs> oh, goodness. So I got to a point in there where, I mean, I was, I think, maybe I don't want to say I got cocky. But I don't think I took good enough notes. I thought, oh, I'll be able to remember this. And I got to a point, I'm like, oh, crud, I cannot keep that straight. So we didn't have pieces of paper. I was taking notes on my phone, and I... I I admittedly, I'd, I'd goof some things up. I think you, I think you had it solved well before you actually went to submit your answers. Yeah, I just didn't, I didn't want to get it wrong because if you get it wrong, you lose. And so there were, there was one thing that I needed to tie up. Yeah, that's one interesting thing about the game is that if you go to to uh, to one B and you are submitting your answers and you look at the answers and you are incorrect you now become Sherlock Holmes because you know the answers. So now the the first person who gets eliminated, they're a new resource for other players to utilize. So they can double check. Do I do I have my, you know, how many of my answers are correct? Mm-hmm. You can kind of gauge that or get some additional information on kind of are you on the right track with your case. So I think that's interesting that it didn't come out because you were so determined not to be wrong. But I think I took way too long getting to a location. I don't know what I was expecting. I think I would much rather play Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I think this is one that's really, it's in the middle of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective and it's The Witness. And I walked away from the game. I liked the game. Mm -hmm. I thought it was good. I'd play that one again. But in my mind, I was like, I have no desire to own this game because if I want to solve a mystery, The Witness is 15 minutes long. And I think I get the same feeling for this. I'm going to disagree with you. I love The Witness, and I love Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. The Witness is more like you're solving a puzzle to me. 
you're not really solving a mystery per se. I haven't I mean I, I imagine there are going to be some cases like that. But this is this was a lot more complex than that. You Jonathan, you felt like it the case was too straightforward and that got, yeah. got hung up on. I thought it was way too straightforward and this goes back to my theme of the con which is expectations. I expected there to be bigger twists. I had all the information. I just didn't I, I was looking for something deeper. And I kind of felt at the end like this was glorified clue, and it okay. Now it kind of angered me. In all fairness, we played Case Zero, which is completely designed to teach you the basics of the game. So I think they purposely threw in a very straightforward case that didn't have any twists or turns, just to kind of get the feel for it. So. I apologize for that, but I didn't want to jump into a really complex case when we hadn't played the game before. I understand. This was one of those ones where Jonathan was like, I'm going to flip the table. Yeah, this one actually, uh, I had to apologize later. It kind of it kind of irritated me and irked me. And I love how he apologized for it, but it was most of us, I don't know about Sean, but for me, I was like, oh, I didn't know you were mad. <laughs> so. Wow. I thought I had really lost my temper there. No, no, I didn't pick up on you that. Hold, okay. You hold your temper very well. <laughs> so. Wow. So here's the thing: it's I think that the stories are very well written. I think I think they, they did a really good job. I think you need to take notes in this, though. Oh yeah, for sure. I think that you if you because there's it didn't just spell things out. You had to pick up a little clue and then make a connection to this other clue. You found another location, and there was one location I just didn't go to quick enough because I, I felt like I I was taking treating it a little bit too competitively. I was trying to lock down some locations where I knew that you guys needed this piece. I went to the scene of the crime. My first move, that's where I went. And I spent way too many tokens. Shouldn't have done that. Kind of put myself in a corner, unfortunately. But again, if I'm looking for a quick little kind of mystery sort of, but again, it's a little bit more puzzly. The telephone elements of trying to get the information and put the pieces together. Witness wins out. Absolutely. If I want to have the big mystery and really kind of work and try to solve it, I still think I like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective more. I don't feel like this really coalesces into something that's more than the sum of its parts, really. Mm-hmm. I would definitely try this game again. Maybe nope. you, you need to oh, come on. There are 13 cases in this box. We played case zero. So I bet if we even started with case one, it might have been a little bit better. Or we can just throw you into case 12 and see how you do. I liked it. I think this was probably, if I had to rank them, was one of the lower games. But I still, like I said, I don't know if I just took happy pills before I came went to the <laughs> convention. But I really did. I, I enjoyed the game. This was definitely one that I never want to own this. It does some interesting things. I think it tries to streamline Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. But for the experience I got out of it, I'd still rather play Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, towards the end, during the, the closing ceremonies of the convention, we got to play Viticulture. Yeah. Have you, Clint, have you ever played Viticulture? Uh, no, I have not. This is a great game. This is a solid game. It's, it's a worker placement game. I had seen the Kickstarters, all that, just for whatever reason, you know, Vinos and all that, the winemaking just didn't get on board, but I like this game quite a bit. I would like to play it again. I think there were some things that... Maybe I messed up a little early on, thinking about not... We learned our lesson pretty good about not buying the yoke earlier. Yep. Because Get the yoke. Yep. It only costs two coins to build it, and it makes your options 
just exponentially. Yeah, opens it up a lot. Oh, yeah, a lot. So I really enjoyed that game. I look forward to trying it again. If I saw this for the right price, I would jump on it. Part of me is also like, oh, the Tuscany expansion. It's so beautiful. um, Yep. I've heard a lot of great things about the Tuscany expansion. That's kind of my thing. They're going to actually get, I think they're going to like squish them together or parts of it in the next edition. Is it called extended or something? Essential? Essential. Yep. I know there was an E word. (laughs) But that was good. So during the closing ceremonies, we played that. We were getting a, okay, getting a table in the closing ceremonies. What's a chore? That was a game in of itself. That was Black Friday, the you know, the early edition. You can see that someone at the table, they're the only one at the table, and they have just stuff thrown in chairs, saving these spots. They're not playing games at these tables. They're just holding them for other people. For extended amount of times. Yeah. So eventually I got brave and went up to a couple who were using half a table. I'm like, hey, are you using the other two seats? Oh, no, absolutely have them. Great. Thank you. But I saw so many other people went around asking people who were saving these seats. Oh, no, no, we're saving these. The gaming hall is designed to play games. I know you want to be there for the closing ceremonies, but if you want a seat, grab some games, sit down, play them, and hold your seat. Mm-hmm. Got that off my chest. Yeah. It was fresh. It was frustrating. They tried to fix that. They mentioned that like over the intercom saying clear out the seats, and people were clapping and excited about it. But Yep. But overall, so we got to play a couple hands of Lord of the Rings card game. Got that out of our system. Yeah, that was fun. We played Watcher in the Water, I believe, right? No. No, no, Foundation Stone. Yes. Okay. And I really thought we were going to be in trouble on that one. Hadn't played it before, but that's one where you, you get separated in one of the quest phases, washed away. And my deck specifically was not suited for questing. At that point, I had pulled out a few little questers and some things and used Legolas to put some quest points out and... I thought it was. I thought that was a lot of fun. That was actually one of the highlights of the con for me was playing that game. And at first, at the beginning, I was like, "E, this is not so good," but it was good. Yeah, it was fun. That was that's probably one of the best scenarios that I've played in that game. Granted, my deck I felt like was fi- firing on all cylinders. Everything that needed to work was working, mm-hmm. and that doesn't always happen. But when my deck, when I can get the cards I need, my deck is pretty dang awesome. If it doesn't, it's junk. So I, I think yours is a little bit more well-rounded overall, except minus the, the questing. Mine's much more questing-focused, but if I can get my stuff working, I can get enough powerhouses out to do the fighting as well. Yeah. I really enjoyed that game a lot. <laughs> but then things got dark in the world. <laughs> what was the last game we played on, on Saturday, Clint? I don't know, Grumpy Gamers. What, what, what was it? <laughs> it was on uh, Jonathan's list. It was uh, the game I was most looking forward to. And I really just wanted to share this quote with you guys. No, you have a quote! From from Romeo. And Romeo says, Did my heart love till now? Forswear at sight, for I ne'er saw true beauty till this night. He loved it. (laughs) That's the way I I felt when I first looked at Shakespeare, but then I got to know Shakespeare. (laughs) quote for how you feel afterwards and i felt betrayed from hamlet (laughs) (sighs) okay what happened in this game well clint won (laughs) (laughs) you trounced us that's a tight game yeah it was tight it was but even for a tight game yeah clint was solidly in the lead and he kind of came out swinging and here's here's part of what kind of Maybe, I don't want to say tainted it, 
But whenever you're building your stage, there are certain different numbered stage pieces have special powers. Mm-hmm. And purple. Wh- purple ones. Which ones? What, what does that do to us? Lose your ambiance. So your ambiance starts ticking down. And you'll start taking penalties, like you'll lose a feather point or you'll actually lose a victory point, one of those candles. Candles are hard to come by in that game. It's really hard to pass them up. So he was knocking us down on our ambiance. Mm-hmm. And then we're having to waste our turns getting that back up just so we can keep our head above water. Basically, Clint was kind of walking by my theater every so often and starting a fire or, you know, <laughs> I, I throwing to- dead rats in my theater. I totally peed on your, under your front porch. That was just, <laughs> it was really dirty. I played on you. I feel you under- did it multiple times, too. Because the interesting thing, there are some interesting things about Shakespeare. Whenever you build your stage, the sets, you have to build them symmetrically. Mm-hmm. So whenever you started pulling in all those threes... Well, you need more threes to make it symmetrical, and so you just kept, just kept hammering at us, and it was it was it was rough to come back from that. Brutal. I felt like that was a it was a run away game. Would you agree with that? You would agree with that. You agree? Don't deny it. Say it. Say it. These grumpy gamers. I have to stand on the opposite side on this one. I will not defend the game. I will defend that I am not a cutthroat gamer. I do not go after people, but the strategy was I was building stage things. That was my my shtick, and the numbers that came out were threes, and the threes were the were the attacking thing. And for me, it wasn't that I was trying to torture these people, but I it was either that or not do anything because the ones didn't give me any any benefit. It was it was the threes, and you notice I had a ton of twos. Whenever the twos came out, I bought them. But for me, it was just, I was, that was the strategy that was available to me. And, and, but I have a feeling though, that that wasn't what killed the game for you guys. Like that, that was a bummer, but it seemed like you guys, that the game was, you know, we didn't hear that you, you know, if you hire these really strong, powerful people, you have to pay them at the end of the game. Right. Which takes a lot. It's a lot of work to pay these people. And I think about halfway through the game, we started noticing well, crap, we have like three rounds and I have to like come up with like 15 bucks and I don't have that type of money. Well, and that's also a, a rule misunderstanding on my part kind of hosed me as well. I had enough money to pay every single person. The thing is, I thought I got victory points for each actor I had in my theater. Mm-hmm. Don't know where that came from. That's not a rule. <laughs> so I, ha- I was hiring these people thinking, oh, I can pay for them. I'm, I'll be able to get some sneaky points this way. Just p- playing it completely wrong. But again, even that, I, I can't quite put my finger on what it was that just didn't do it for me in that game. Do you have a better sense of what was not going well for you in that? No, not really. It, it, it's another of those games where it's tight. And I actually, at the, I, I was amazed. I didn't think I was going to be able to pay my actors at all, but I was able to scrape by and, and get them all paid. But I guess the experience I'm looking for now is a, a more open experience. And I, I think it kind of goes back to what Clint says, where he wants to explore. I want to explore. And there were things to explore there and experience and, and play around with, but... I just felt like it was too tight from the get-go, and I didn't feel, I don't know, I didn't feel free. I felt very constrained. And I think it was the constraint. I mean, we kind of, I went into it realizing that it was going to be a tight game, because that's what I had heard. 
Mm-hmm. What threw me off was if I'm going to play a tight game, I don't want other people to be able to screw with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I also neglected the the sets. I think, Jonathan, you and I yeah. went with costumes. We both went heavy costumes. Mm-hmm. And you just still killed us on feathers. Because you get feather points, you move along these three different tracks. Whoever's furthest along will score points or get money or whatever. How did you get so many feathers in that game? Because I took the Shakespeare action that gave me two feathers. I had two workers that gave me two feathers and increased my ambiance. The winning score, I think, was I think I had like 20 or 22 points. I mean, and I think one of the downsides of this game is, is that, you know, the magical point that you really want to be at is like around 80 to 100 points. Because, you know, in this game, you lost a victory point and it hurt. Mm-hmm. It like hurt, hurt. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know me, like at the end of the game, I was like, I don't want to go up high. I don't want to get a, a victory point. I want to be able to get this money so I can pay my people. Right. Because you lose two victory points for each people a person you can't play. That's a tenth of your score if you can't pay for one person. Yeah. So it was it, it was tight. It was just tight. And I think it was hard for me also because in my case, if I didn't take those threes, there was another guy that did stage. And I know that you guys did it near the end. That the one way that you can make sure you're not going to get hit with that is... Take them yourself. Take them yourself. And this is the reason why there are some games like Alien Frontiers that I don't particularly... I think they're good games, but it, it kind of bugs me is this feeling of... I'm taking this action not because I like to hit you, but I just know that if I don't take it, you're going to take it. And it, why wouldn't I take it? You know, why wouldn't I take it? It's the best, it's the best option available for me. I would, I would never buy this game. I would never buy this game and I wouldn't buy it for the, the fact that it was just too tight. It was too tight. It was like, agricola in the like misery farm in like my people are going to starve and you took this one action that's going to be able to make me feed my people you know and i would rather starve in agricola than this game and i could understand i could understand that my problem my thing is is that again this game was how long how long did the game go too long how long did it last it it wasn't longer than 90 minutes it wasn't longer than 90 (sighs) minutes and if we played that game again it would be shorter a lot shorter. Yeah, I think we would, we would hammer it out. I I'm gonna have to tell you the the art is beautiful. Very I beautiful. I was super excited to to end the game with both the Romeo and Juliet actors, but which was a secret win condition. Um, not really. <laughs> but I think I think I'm good. I'm done on this one. That actually reminds me of something. The Queen's favor is that what they're called? Uh huh. The Queen's favor cards. You don't start the game with one of those. mm Hmm. I highly recommend that you take that action in the first round. Yes. Because you have to be able that can dictate what strategy you're going for. I didn't take a single one because I felt like I was too deep in and I wasn't going to be able to actually capitalize on that. But I regret that. I think you need to take one of those early on or it's going to kill you. I think, and this is my strong feeling, is I feel like you should house roll and you should get dealt two or three and you should keep one. And I think that that would help because I got one that like – gave me five bucks i could fire one of my workers so i didn't have to i was just a mean person in this game i guess shakespeare is cutthroat but uh in this game uh yeah (laughs) in a lot of ways though i felt like if i would have had that extra five dollars in my pocket that helped me enjoy it so like oh yeah i'm gonna take this five guy and get 
this strong ability. It's going to give me, it's going to benefit me. I'd get one of those cards. I'd give one of those cards to start out with. And I think that that would take the clamps off a little bit and give you a little bit more freedom to experiment. Yep. You know? What do you think about the bidding of your disc? So you have a certain number of action points you can have each turn, but whoever bids the fewest gets to have the initiative. They get to place first. What do you think of that? I liked that. It stressed me out. It did because it was me and Jonathan had an epic like no words were said but eyes were talking like me and Jonathan had like a a quill war for the the top yeah and, the, and it was super tight and like it was tense the entire time like it was kind of going back and forth to the point like the end of the game where I was just like I will fall on my sword to make sure that you don't get this <laughs> and I just to my game is like when you're looking at a Euro game. I just don't want that in my game, you know? Yeah, just think about this experience. If you contrast it with above and below, I mean, such a a remarkably different experience. Mm -hmm. I would agree, but how in above and below, how do you, you can't affect anybody? Like there was nothing, like if I start, if I started rolling, there was nothing you could do to get in my way at all. And that game's so tight that even if you wanted to like hate draft a card and just like, oh, I know you want this card. I'm going to take this card. You just you you just don't have the resources to stop that, and so I say that interaction is a two-edged sword. I was not expecting Shakespeare to have, and perhaps cutthroat is too strong of a word. Perhaps not, but I felt like there was more. It was it was more cutthroat than I realized it was going to be, and I don't think I care for that in much of my games. Mm-hmm. And I realize that some people don't like the, the you know the multiplayer solitaire because again like in above and below like you said you might take someone else's card maybe not even in, in, intentionally but maybe they had the whole strategy like I think you took some cards that oh man I was totally gonna buy that card if it was still available when I got that back to my turn mm-hmm. but I'm, I think I'm okay with that more so than the this is gonna be a really tight game and there are some kind of nasty things kind of. I don't want to say it's nasty, but it can. I really think that those set pieces that make people lose their ambiance that hurts a lot because if you you would then have to spend more of your actions to be able to get that back up, or I guess you could just ignore it and keep doing other stuff. But I felt compelled that I had to address that ambiance, or I was going to take lose victory points. Mm-hmm. I can't argue. I I kind of agree, and in that in the case of Shakespeare, I was the one doing the kicking. And so, but I, I told it was not impressed. The art was beautiful. It was like beautiful, beautiful. Like it was amazing. Like I was excited to flip a card and like look at the actors and actresses. But that was definite, uh, a definite pass for me. Yeah. Listen to people, some some people talk about it on Twitter today. You know, they're talking about how they really enjoyed it. And I'm just like, what am I missing from this game? I, I would probably, no. after, after amount of time passed. no. No. I would never play this game with you ever, ever again. Well, then I'm... Okay, fine. Because nope. you know he would set peace you to death. And no, I would not play I this would. game I would. again. Because even if someone asked. Notice what he said. I would not play this game with you again. Oh. I mean you as in the collective, <laughs> you guys. I would not play this game again, period. I, I think I've played this game. I don't need to play it again. That's surprising. Because I thought you enjoyed it a whole lot more than us. I did. I did. Uh, this was... This was the antithesis of my above and below. I tended to enjoy this game, but this was definitely probably my, like, it was a very tough, because it's, I don't like, like you said, 
I didn't like to to hurt you guys, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you see me in the corner, like going like this? No, like, absolutely not. You know, but I I do have to say, if someone's struggling in a game, you never want that. You want to be. I always want it to be a close, like last move. Oh my gosh, that was a heck of a move. Sure. But in that game, you're right. Like I was doing really well throughout the game, and you guys were struggling, and it was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and it was it was tough and i i didn't i don't get enjoyment from that and here's the thing i i don't feel like oh i'm losing boohoo i don't like this game i don't feel like that's the problem here i think more of a problem with crud i'm being left in the dust and there's nothing i feel that i can do mm-hmm. yeah even though it's tight if someone can run away with this and surge ahead I think it's going to be pretty tough to be able to catch up at all in this game. Yeah, there's no catch up. Well, that that is Shakespeare. So just to kind of wrap things up, what was your... Let's, let's get the negative one out of the way. <laughs> what was your least favorite game of this convention? Jonathan? It's really difficult. I'm going to have to say Watson and Holmes edges out Shakespeare by a nose. I don't know where I'm at now. <laughs> wow. Are you serious? By a nose. Photo finish. Wow, I'm shocked. What did you think? I thought Shakespeare for sure for him. Oh, he did well in Shakespeare. Like, we had, me and Jonathan, we had something going in Shakespeare that I thought was fun in in that regard of, like, we had something going. It was competitive up, you know, up at the top, and I really liked that part. Okay. Well, Shakespeare is definitively my least favorite game of this convention. I can't remember what game I said I would play over this, but zero desire to play this game again. I would gladly play Terra Mystica over this game. Stripped naked, covered in fire. Uh, not, not that far, but... <laughs> I'd have to actually echo Jonathan's. I think, I think for me, it's so hard. Game-wise, I think Watson and Holmes was probably... I enjoyed it, but thought that the novelty would wear off if I were to play it again. But Shakespeare, the the rough thing that we had, I mean, those two, I had a good experience playing Watson and Holmes, but I had a bad experience playing Shakespeare. I think Shakespeare might be a better game. It's beautiful. It's short. Those two were kind of the, the neck and neck for me. You two are dead to me. Wow. wow. <laughs> I will agree. Watson and Holmes was a disappointment for me. I don't feel like it was my least favorite game. I liked what the game was trying to do. I just didn't like the cutthroaty aspects of Shakespeare. Watson Holmes was my least favorite game. Shakespeare was my least favorite experience. If that's better clarification. No. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I made you both play Watson and Holmes. Because that was on my list. But here's the thing. We all played a game we that we... Warhammer that, Quest. That we did. Like, I played Warhammer Quest. And I'll be honest with you, Warhammer Quest was a big old meh. You know? I thought the Warhammer was not as blatant as some of the other Warhammer games. But I liked it because it was cooperative. Like, yeah. co- cooperative covers up a lot of faults in my book that you can win and lose together. Yeah. Well, I I could never convince you guys to even try 504. I tried. We looked at the rule book. Sorry, Bonacore. Yeah. I would agree. Like, I was one that I was excited to look and try 504, and I looked at the game, and I, again, I looked at it and said, for the amount of investment that I'm going to have to give to get something out of that game, it's just it's just too high. Yeah. Like I said, I really wanted to go to the Stronghold table and at least do a demo, but I knew you guys were 
really not interested at all after looking at it. So I just didn't. I I think if you really wanted to go and try that one, you would have. I would have. That's true. I mean, last year, I mean, I kind of broke off, but I didn't want to do that as much this year. I kind of wanted to. I, I don't know. Did you, looking at it, were you like, it, it didn't make you go out there and want to go try it? Looking at the modular rulebook, oh my, ugh, wow. You're never, never going to read through the rulebook to learn. No, I, that's why I have to go to the stronghold table to yeah. to be taught how the game goes. So mm-hmm. it, it, was a, it was a bit overwhelming looking at it. I, would still, I still wanted to try it, but I think my motivation to really push for it decreased. Mm-hmm. One other thing I do want to throw out, and I know we didn't have enough time to talk about this, is that after Shakespeare, you guys headed you guys headed home. I had an opportunity to play a game called the Ponzi Scheme, Ooh. which was was my surprise hit of the uh, the convention. It got that out. It's still not in wide distribution, but I got a great play with that. It's a it's an economic game, plays in about forty five minutes to an hour, and it is literally like a I think of it like. We have there are like three or four people on a log, and it's kind of like one of those things that you're running on the log, and all you want to do is you just you just don't want to fall off. The game goes like you're taking all these loans to buy companies, and at the end of the game, if you have these companies there, that you get victory points for how big that you know these companies get. But if you bust, even if you have like the best company by far, you don't you don't get any victory points. And so literally you're trying to amass this wealth, but you're taking tons of debt and you never pay off your debt. You just have to pay back the interest all the time. And there's this little ticker that keeps going. And it is, we were laughing out loud. It totally, it was a blast. I it has, I don't think someone, I don't think anybody's picked it up yet, but I'm, I'm 99% positive. This is going to get some good distribution. Looking at it, you're like, Ooh, but the experience was it was a hoot. I mean, it was an absolute blast. We had a good laugh. Excellent. We got to do a quick play test with Grant Rodiek from uh, Portal Games. Um, his game Cry Havoc, which was was kind of nifty. It's I mean he he frames it as a RTS type game, and you've got different factions. They are all very very different. And we we played a few rounds of this. We didn't we didn't play a whole game, but and it's still in development. It's still getting polished off, but it may come out next year from portal but I, I really thought it was interesting it's the type of game that i would have loved maybe 10 years ago my tastes have changed a little bit but it's kind of a, a fun thing where you're just constantly jockeying for position and trying to grab territories and grab victory points and you know build up your powers and do different actions and there's kind of some nifty things going on there kind of the game that I feel like if, if you like a game like Kemet, this would be a game that you would like quite a bit. And I'm really excited to see what the final product looks like. And I just want to throw that out there. He, and he was a very excellent guy, neat guy to talk to. Absolutely. And just to kind of throw one more since everyone else did something, a surprise for me at the convention was Seven Wonders Duel. Yeah. I kind of, I felt like I burned myself out on Seven Wonders there for a while because it, it became the de facto game that you play with seven players but this one in the two-player game in seven wonders just really isn't that strong i mean it, it tries but it just doesn't deliver what the a great personality <laughs> i wouldn't even go that far <laughs> <laughs> but seven wonders duel i had you know didn't have high expectations but this was a really fun game 
I really love the strategy of which cards are you going to select because that unlocks what other cards your opponent can grab. You can take a, you can actually get a military instant victory if you kind of this tug of war sort of thing on the combat track. You can really go hard hard on the science, which I did, and get an instant science victory. And really, there towards the end, it was Jonathan saw I was going hard on the science, and so he started picking up every single combat card he could possibly get his hands on. And it was down to the wire. It really was. Yeah, Sean, we were both lucky, though, that Clint wasn't playing this game with us. Are you sure I didn't win this game? I can't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty certain you can't win a two-player game when you're not playing the game. Oh, I, I tried. It was the, He was there in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I fully expect that I will pick up Seven Wonders Duel. It's a game that my wife would play because she likes Seven Wonders, but it just... I mentioned it to her. It's like, well, Seven Wonders has a two-player game. She thinks it's she thinks it's a good game with the two players. I'm like, ah, doesn't doesn't do it for me. This one really makes it a solid two-player game. Definitely worth picking up. It's nifty, and at at that price point, it's it's a good it's a good deal. Absolutely. So, game of the con. What was your top game of this convention? I'll go first. For me, it was the Gallerist. Like I said, it stuck with me at the end of the game, and. I am a little biased in the way that I don't get to play many three-hour games. But this one, it was, you look for that magical moment, and I, I felt like I got it in The Gallerist. And it's after trading away Indonesia, I feel like I'm getting, I'm refilling that ooh-la-la, pretty beautiful game that I'm really excited to get out, get to play. And who doesn't like Neapolitan-flavored meeples? delicious it is they are very delicious <laughs> jonathan i'm still thinking about viticulture so that's kind of bit bit into me a little bit but i'm gonna have to say it's definitely big book of madness surprised me i thought it might be decent but there's there's quite a bit more depth there than i expected and it just it kind of has the full package of you know i'm an art guy love the art and i think it's something that plays in a reasonable amount of time has some crunch to it, has some depth to it, but something that is also accessible and that I'll be able to get played. So I'm really excited for when this releases. I think it's going to come out a little before Christmas. Uh, really wish it would have been there at the con or if it was already out right now. Absolutely. And I'm actually going to go and echo Jonathan here that I'm going to go with the Big Book of Madness. Now, granted, I did not get to play the Gallerist, which I think I would have enjoyed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But the Big Book of Madness really did... It was a it was a delightful game. It was one of the games where we saw it in the game library and we're like, oh yeah, let's play that again. And I didn't get a whole lot of those experiences like, yeah, I want to do this again right now. And so I will definitely be picking that one up. Now, here's the thing. I think Drakirian, if we hadn't completely botched up the rules, it probably could have overtaken the Big Book of Madness. The more I've dived into it, I'm really excited to play Tracarian correctly this time. Mm-hmm. But Big Book of Madness was a surprise hit for me at the convention. All right, time for the punch list. So the punch list is the segment where we choose some category of a board game. And then we have to choose a game that we feel is punchworthy that meets the conditions of that category. So this week we've got Clint doing the punch list what have you got for us good sir well the what i had today was we're talking about experiences in the convention so my question for you or on the punch list is is there a game if in a perfect world if you could pick a game 
to play with anybody that was at the convention, who would it be and what game would you play? You get to go first. I get to go first. So, but for me, I would have I would have loved to try a lighter game, maybe like a cooperative game and would have played with somebody like Rado or Dan King. Would have been really nice to get and meet them. I think I would like to have played Time Stories with Rado and Dan King and those sort of things. So I think he's trying to ditch us. And one of you. Just 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 a fan. <laughs> so I, I really would like to I you know I think Rado because he lives so far away, but you know, I've been really liking what Dan, uh, Dan some of Dan King's work. I think I would have liked to have played that. I would have liked to have played maybe like, you know, some unknown deep cut of of time stories of like some case that no one had played i would have really liked to have a cool experience with with one of them so well for me this is pretty easy because we were playing the game and he walked in but uh that would be above and below i'm probably stilling no mm-hmm. okay i probably would have played above and below with ryan lockett he walked by when we were playing it i, I noticed one of his friends said something to him about it but uh, we also noticed uh one of the characters on there bears a striking resemblance to him. But I think that would be fun just to play the game with the designer and kind of see their viewpoint and kind of how they approach their own game. I'm going to go a similar route. I would have loved to have played Tail Feathers with Jerry Hawthorne. Uh, Jerry was sadly missed at the convention. I was really looking forward to being able to chat with him, but he wasn't able to make the convention this year. So, But no, I I just got my my pre-order shipping notice for Tail Feathers, so I'm looking forward to that. But I I didn't get to try it with Tail Feathers, but I would definitely have tried it with Jerry. He would completely have hosted me, but I think I would have had a great time. I really admire a lot of Jerry's work. So short and sweet, getting that punch list out of the way because we did enough talking for one podcast. So I think that is everything for tonight. Any closing remarks about board game geek convention before we wrap things up most magical place on earth have fun next year i, I think jonathan might be in the doghouse and he's not going to be able to go anywhere with us ever again i'll miss you guys we'll send you a postcard okay or a drunken text or something i don't know okay <laughs> dragon's milk <laughs> next year jerry next year all right so that concludes episode 20 of the punched and played podcast As always, you can like us on Facebook, you can follow us on Twitter, and you can find us at our website at punchdemplayed.com. So until next time, remember, if you're going to punch them, make sure you play them. (laughs) 